Hey everybody, Emily here. I just wanted to take a couple of minutes before the show starts, before the podcast starts, to let you know a little bit about the craziness of today. Last night we were editing this week's podcast, which you guys know is on exorcisms. And you also know I'm not a big believer in demonic possession. I'm not a big believer in exorcisms, all that stuff. Not closed off to it, just never witnessed it. Well, I think something wanted me to witness it because over the last 24 hours, it has been a challenge to get this information to you guys. It feels like something is trying to prevent us from bringing awareness to it. Not that we're by any means the only people bringing awareness to it, but we're some people bringing awareness to it. Last night, the data from one of the devices wouldn't transfer over. That's never happened before. We restarted the editing process this morning, knowing that, okay, we're going to have, a, you know, the podcast is going to be a couple of hours late this, this week. You know, no big deal. It's fine. Not a big issue. So I went to edit everything and piece everything together. The main video feed kept deleting itself from the editing software. I kept having to reload it and reload it and reload it and re-edit and re-edit and re-edit. Then after I got everything where it looked the way I wanted it to look and sounded the way I wanted it to sound, I posted it to our RSS feed, which is the, if you don't know, it's how we post to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Pandora and all the audio podcast pieces, uh, platforms. And I text Shira and I said, hey, our, you know, our podcast is, is up on Spotify. And she texted me back and she said, you can't hear it. I said, what do you mean you can't hear it? She said, you can't hear it. So I listened, I downloaded it on, on Apple Podcasts. And I said, I listened to it and it wasn't, you can hear the, the intro music, but once we start talking, it goes away. And I haven't done anything different than I always do. So I don't know what made that happen. So I deleted everything. I reloaded everything. I re-edited everything. And I think it's good because it sounds like it's supposed to on my computer. It sounds like it's supposed to in the editing software. It sounds like it's supposed to when I send it to my phone for a test run. Um, crossing my fingers that it works this time. I went this afternoon, I took a little break from, from editing and, and went and picked up groceries. And the gentleman that was loading my groceries into my car for me, he had on a pair of shorts that were covered in crucifixes and a big crucifix necklace. I don't know if I'm getting a sign that I'm supposed to be taking this stuff a little bit more seriously than I do uh, or, or what. It's just been a really weird day. So I hope you guys enjoy this labor of love this week. If you have questions, let us know. Enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Outside the Crystal Ball, episode 18. I'm Emily Minton. On today's show, we are going to discuss the Ace of Swords tarot card, and we are going to take a deep dive into the world of exorcisms. Now that spooky season is here, these movies are all over TV, and I was curious as to reality, the reality of exorcisms versus the Hollywood sensationalism of them, how much of it of it is real, how much of it is exaggerated. So my friend Shira and I have taken a deep dive into this topic, and we cannot wait to share with you that information. Before we move on, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform that you're on. This month, we're coming to you every week for October because it is getting ready to be Halloween, my favorite time of year. Um, so let's go ahead and get started with the Ace of Swords tarot card. I'm putting it up on the screen for those of you who are not on YouTube. 
You can always Google it and find a picture of it. The Ace of Swords is part of the sword suit, right? So swords, remember, means communication, uh, any sort of, of, of written communication, spoken communication, things like the pen is mightier than the sword, backstabbing. Things like that are part of the sword suit. So kind of remember it that way. Now, if you look at this card, you can see that the sword is coming out of a cloud and being held by a divine hand, God or whoever you consider to be your divine source. At the top of the sword, it is adorned with a crown and some foliage, like some ferns or something there hanging down. That is symbolizing that you you have been given clear ideas and it's time to put them into action. The ferns on the sword represent a, a kind of a, a victory wreath, right? Think back to Greek mythology with Nike and the you know, the victory wreath there. Um, and then beneath the hand, you see that there is a mountain range. That indicates the ability to see above the ground into divine insight. So this card is really offering you clarity, right? This is a really cool card to pull because it's offering you that clarity around communication. In regards to love, if you're pulling it and wanting to know how it affects your love life, it could signify improved communication, between you and uh, someone that you're currently in a relationship with, or it could call into action. It's, it's time to invest in a new relationship. It's time to, you know, go ahead and get back out there, meet a new person. In regards to career and money, it can mean that new ideas are increasing. It's time to expand your business. Um, it can even present clarity on how to improve your current financial situation. Spiritually, this is a call to deepen your practices. Deepen those intuitive gifts that you've been given. You're going to be receiving information soon to be guided to whatever your next steps are. Now that's if you pull the card upright. If you pull it reversed, we know that that means the opposite. So it would suggest confusion. Um, this is calling, if you pull it reversed, it's calling for you to be more active in getting people to explain to you whatever is being miscommunicated, right? Advocate for yourself, speak up for yourself. It could mean that you're, that you're overanalyzing things too much and that you might even feel defeated or unheard. But this is a time, this is a call for you to speak up and get your voice heard. Clear up that miscommunication between you and your boss, you and your friend, you and your significant other, whatever the case may be. I hope you guys are really learning these tarot cards. I know I am since we've started this show 18 episodes ago. I'm really starting to understand a lot more about what it means when you pull certain cards, especially the suites, you know, or the suits. I don't know why I always call them suites. The suits, the suits are, you know, they, they, they each have their own meaning. And I think it's a huge part of, of learning this is understanding that piece. So we're going to go ahead and move into our main topic today exorcisms. Now, keep in mind, guys, this varies based on religion. It varies based on culture. We are coming to you with information from our backgrounds, right? We don't have experience in every culture and every religion in the world. We've tried to include some of those practices in our research today, but a lot of our own personal experience that we're sharing with you are going to come from our specific backgrounds. So you, um, Hopefully, you'll be able to connect to that a little bit. And if not, share with us your background and your experience from your culture, your experience from your religion with these things. All right, guys, let's get started. 
Our guest today is a dear friend of mine. Her name is Shira Callahan. She and I met several years ago when her son was in my class in fifth grade. Shira and I hit it off immediately with our love of the paranormal. She introduced herself and and eventually she came in to speak to my class um, around Halloween time about the ghosts at Gettysburg, which was pretty fun. Since then, we've had many conversations about what is really out there, the paranormal world. What is it exactly? She brings to the table a lot of research and experience, life experience with these things. So I thought she would make the perfect guest to have on here to discuss exorcisms. So I'm going to let you talk a little bit about your background and your experience with exorcisms. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you came into studying this and, and being interested in this topic. So I am not a theologian. I didn't go to seminary school or anything like that. What I what I had was a lot of experience and exposure through my upbringing. Um, my parents came to be Christians in very dramatic ways. Um, my father had a minimal um I have to take this out. Yeah, go for it. My father had a a um a minimal understanding of all things, you know, biblical and godly. And um when he was in his early 20s, he took off um in the 60s to hitchhike to avoid the draft to Haight-Ashbury, California, and there he was involved in drugs, he was involved in all kinds of craziness, and um it wasn't until he was extradited back and in jail um, that he was studying the Tibetan book of the dead versus this really groovy guy that he was, you know, that he was reading about called Jesus. And so his, <laughs> his way to become a Christian was very, um, atypical and it was very dramatic because he was total darkness into something that was total light. You know, um, my dad's physical, um, transformation was probably the most dramatic because of his, um, his drug use and, and whatnot. Yeah. And then, you know, his experience out of that. Um, my mom, on the other hand, had some of a knowledge. Um, but I believe that the way she became a Christian was more emotional and, and even mental, that that was the biggest change for her. So the two of them came to this, um, to this experience through very atypical ways. So when I was born, um, I was not raised in a traditional church setting. And because my parents' experience was so dramatic and the things, the, the, um, the old things that they dealt with, you know, with addiction and with, um, with things that you would associate with those types of lifestyles that they led, their, their way out of it was, um, was extremely spiritual. It was extremely, um, profound. And so, um, and so I was raised with this idea that everything has some sort of spiritual connection. And because it was such a prolific time for my parents, you know, that's, that's really the foundation that I was raised with. So I was, I was raised to believe that everything has some sort of spiritual connotation that, um, that there are traps and lies that, that we have to be wary of. And, and um, it's not that I'm looking for demons around every corner. That is not what I'm saying. Okay. But there is an, a spiritual awareness and a discernment that comes that, um, that I was just raised with. So it's kind of secondhand knowledge. You and I have had a lot of like off the topic or off the, 
off the uh, cuff conversations that you and I have had. And, and fundamentally, we probably believe very different things. Well, I know we believe very different things, you know. Um, that's why I love our conversations, because we can disagree fundamentally on right. things, but it doesn't equal disrespect. And Absolutely. So we just, you know, we just kind of vibe with that. And we, yeah, and I'm not closed off to it. I just haven't seen it. Well, you know, the one thing that I, that I, I am wor- not, not worried necessarily, but that I would caution is that, you know, there's balance in this world, right? We have the God balance, right. we have the the, the uh, Satan balance, you know, um, whether you believe it or not, you know, and whether you believe in the devil or not, mm-hmm. he probably right. believes in you. Right. So, you know. <laughs> well, and that you're not the first person to tell me that is, you know, right. be cautious, you may not believe in it, but it still could happen. And right. again, I'm not closed off to the idea mm-hmm. of it. Just haven't seen it yet. I don't want to see it. I would like to pretend that it doesn't so what exist. what would you do if you do see it? We're not going to talk about it. I don't know. Maybe hide under the covers. Is that... Another podcast, perhaps. Maybe another podcast. It might change your mind on some few things. It, it really could. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to encounter it. I really don't. It's, oh, I don't think anybody does. It's scary honestly. to me, and I don't get scared easily. I can sit in the empty, dark jail cell in the middle of you know a haunted mm-hmm. old jail and by myself for hours. It doesn't scare me. Right. I don't get scared easily, but that. Is bigger than my mind can comprehend. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh, no, that makes perfect sense. It's huge and it's scary to just doing the research for this. I was like, oh, I don't like that. There are so many <laughs> onion layers to this. I mean, we can I don't like any of this. <laughs> we can have all the notes and the outlines that we right. want. I really don't know if that's where this is going to take us. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. Because there's so many, there's so many different aspects of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, some, well, we talked about that some of the topics before. It's like a whole nother, a whole nother subject. Right, exactly. Now you, um, re, re, you're Jewish. No, I, you are not. No. I just know you have menorahs in your house. <laughs> I was had a very Judaic Christian upbringing. Okay. Um, no, I'm a Christian. Okay. Why did I think you were Jewish? I've even made comments to your daughter, like at Target, I've seen her. I'm like, there's no, a menorah. We've, we've been very connected to that okay. side. I mean, we've, we absolutely have been very connected to the messianic, you know, okay. Judaism and, and that. I mean, we've, we've done, we've done Passovers. We've done, you know, the Passover mm-hmm. Seders. We've done, we do all of, we've done all of that stuff in the past. So I don't do it so much anymore, but it was very important to me with my children, with their upbringing. Sure. There was a time, I have to tell you just really, it was really funny. Okay, so I was raised with my grandmother having told me in the past that, you know, that there was Jewish blood in our family. Sure. And I clung to that. I did. I clung to that. Um, because there was just something that really resonated deep in my soul that I was like, this is, these are my people. Right. Like, you know, I am a chosen. Right. You know. <laughs> and um, and so I I was I raised my children that way that, you know, we until I got the ancestry DNA results back and discovered that that wasn't even there wasn't even a drop. And I was devastated. Oh. I mean, you remember my old house. I had all this yes, art. And I you did. It was beautiful. Have, you know, beautiful shofar that my husband made me and all these different things. And um, and it's not necessarily a part of my DNA, which really rocked my world a little bit. Yeah, you know? because that was your root. Like, it that's was like what you my thought. whole identity, yes. right? So that's probably what you're thinking. Okay, of, you know. But I've always identified as as a Christian. You know, it's just that um, there has always been this um, this other understanding as well. And um, and then the joy killer ancestry DNA. It did that to me right too. Out. This is yeah. so off topic, but I did the I got that for Christmas last year, the twenty three and Me. And I have been brought up, you're you're Italian, you're Italian, you're Italian, right, you're right, Italian. Right. So I really identified with that. Well turns <laughs> turns out I'm not really. It's just a little bit. It's I'm I'm indigenous and um Mesopotam- I'm more Mesopotamian than I am really? Italian. And then, you know, English. Yeah. 
you know, my very first results, you know how they kind of adjust the results based on how many people mm-hmm. do they test. I just got a new update and okay. I'm just like, man, the whitest white girl you've ever seen. I, I mean, know. It's so truth, disappointing. It was like 71% <laughs> English. I mean, how did, what, what? You know, but anyway, I am boring. Okay? <laughs> but my very first result came back, like the very root of what is Shira right. was Moorish. Really? The exact opposite of anything Judaic that wow. I thought ran through my head. And now I bet that was so disappointing. Well, my husband was like, well, honey, it's okay. You know, it's, you're Moorish and not it, less-ish. <laughs> but it's, but it's just so disappointing. Not that it's disappointing to be Moorish. It's just disappointing not to be what you thought you were. Well, it's, it's this connection that I felt that I had not just physically, but also mm-hmm. spiritually to something right. you know, that, that really sang to my soul. Like it really spoke deeply to me. Right. And, um, and then to find out that all of those connections just kind of faded away. And that really bothered me. It bothered me for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, um, to find out that there was more of a Viking connection than there was anything else. So, you know, I mean, that didn't mean that the Judaic art left and the Viking ship well, was built sure. in the living room, but you know, maybe but, you should, <laughs> just I would come sit in it, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but it was just, you know, it, it really was, um, a weird little identity crisis that I had sure. because I felt so connected to it for so. I mean, we're talking like from the time I was a child, yes. you know, so, so that's what, that's what you're thinking. But, but, um, but belief system, I've always been a Christian. So Gotcha. So that was sorry, I took us down a long road no, to no, get no, to that's, that. That's but fine. that was but interesting. Important. Yes, it's it important. is important. Yeah. So now that we, what we need to kind of establish next is what is a possession? What is an exorcism? How um those play into these different cultures and different religions. Right. So when you were doing your research, I know I have my my information here. What do you consider a possession, a demonic possession? You know, I don't think that um, oh, we're going to tiptoe on to other topics, too. But I don't think that demonic possession necessarily has to be as dramatic as what we automatically assume. You know, um, I think that um, that we are certainly um, influenced by things all the time. You know, mm-hmm. there's a difference between possession and oppression. Sure. You know, um, possession is when something just takes over you. But I think that really what we confuse as possession a lot really is, in fact, oppression. And that is, you know, that there is a a um, a something that is influencing you, uh, influencing your mood, influencing your insecurities, you know, um, right. exaggerating those those things that would ultimately um, mess around with our faith. So. Those are so a possession, you know, we get hung up on possession. I don't know. And I, and I really don't know whether or not, quote, possessions mm-hmm. um, take over us as often as Hollywood would allow us to believe. Um, we'll talk more about that later because yeah. that's whew, dramatic. But um, but we can certainly, you know, be. Um, well, now, now that I say that, I don't know. I'm thinking of some very specifics in my head. I don't think that it is what we think it is. And therefore, I think we miss the signs. Yeah. Because we're expecting one thing and right. it's really not. Yeah, I agree. And some of the things that I found is we don't even, the word possession, they don't even really use much in in religious texts. They use the word demonized. Mm. Um, possession tends to, like you said, mean that they've taken over your entire body. Right. Where most of the time, like you said, it's influence. You're being influenced by this. So right. very, very rarely 
are these religious texts finding actual possessions or demonizations? They are finding this this influence. Um, something Except in the Bible. I feel like there was like a possessed person in every corner, every every page. Um, but something I found that was interesting, and I'm I know I'm not doing this off my top of my head, but the word demon is actually a word that we created. Really? The word daemon, D-A-E-M-O-N, is Greek. And it was meant as a spirit guide. It was not a bad thing. In fact, Socrates actually wrote about working with daemons to create his all of his whatever academic works that he did. But he meant it in a way of, I'm pulling from my religion. I'm pulling from these guides that help me. Um, but that's what it came from. And they weren't believed to be humans, but they weren't believed to be gods. They were just kind of helpers, kind of like our spirit guides today that I know exist. Um, as Christianity started to develop, a lot of the texts, early texts, were written in Greek. Mm -hmm. um, that's how they started. So when that word started to play into Christ new, new Christian texts, it was interpreted incorrectly as... Well, I think therein lies the fundamental difference. Because in in those texts, mm -hmm. all right, whether you call them spirit guides or not, right. they were... They were bad. They were bad. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's... That's where it comes in. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with that. Um, it's just, it's, it's a lot of translation problems. I think oh, yeah, it's a lot of sure. translation. It's a lot of misinterpretation of what people really meant. Mm -hmm. Because you're reading a text from 500 years ago that someone wrote in a different language, possibly a language that doesn't exist today. Mm -hmm. and, and you're trying to to make sense of it and right. make it make it fit what we have as um you know norms in our just world getting our brain wrapped around mm -hmm. it you know i mean there's so and that's this that's the same thing with with most of what we find you right. know i mean you know there's it, just using the bible as an example you know i mean we we kind of get into this thought trap that the bible is the end-all be-all that nothing can exist outside of what the bible specifically mentions mm -hmm. which you know i think that hey it's a great guide but you know there's a lot more that happens you know that are outside of those pages so yeah Something that um, I was reading, there's a, a man named C. Fred Dickinson. He wrote um, a couple of books on this topic. He was a theology professor. He said that demons are like squatters in most situations. Mm -hmm. they, are, they aren't there permanently. They're borrowing your energy. They're borrowing your, your body, but they aren't possessing you. And that's, that's one of the big differences as well. Um, he gets that idea from the book of Luke in the Bible. So there's, and I'm, I'm pulling on something that I don't, I don't know a ton about, but there is something niggling in the back of my mm -hmm. head that, um, that there were originally only 200 demons that fell, fallen angels okay. that became demons. And, but there, there's a difference between demons and spirits and the spirits are the harassers and the demons are are the principalities of power you know okay. so i i i did you read anything on that i was gonna say i have to go back the play. hierarchies no not necessarily the hierarchies but that but that demon what we say demons isn't always demons that there's a difference between demons and spirits and i haven't done a huge deep dive into that but yeah i haven't either i i think again it comes back to misunderstanding a lot of the things that were written hundreds and sure, hundreds if not yeah. thousands of years ago um and, and so i think my belief system with my spirit guides and angels i think sometimes those were interpreted to be bad when they're not um 
I don't have any proof of that. I mean, I just have my my opinion and my my belief system. But like they were saying, you know, the word daemon didn't necessarily, Socrates didn't mean it necessarily to mean an evil thing. Right. But it was interpreted that way. Um, there are possessions. Well, before we get into that, let's talk about what an exorcism is. So we've kind of defined, loosely defined a possession. An exorcism then is just a way, a ritual to remove that possession from a human's body. Right. And typically you only find, you know, exorcism and Catholicism, mm -hmm. you know, and any other um, Christian denomination, it's termed deliverance. Yes. So. Yeah. And, and I was looking up, I was like, because I was curious, is are exorcisms only in Catholicism? Are they only in Christianity? And they're not. They're across the board. They they're called different things. And you never hear about them. Mm -mm. You never hear about it. Like there has not been one movie made about a Muslim exorcism. And yet there are examples of, of you know, ones that have gone terribly wrong. Right. You know, in all cultures and religions. Right. I, I was looking it up and, and the difference. Another big question of mine was, what's the difference between a Christian exorcism and a catholic right yeah exorcism oh, well. and it's just the formality of it where a, a catholic exorcism you need permission from the powers that be mm -hmm. you are you have a, a book of rituals a book of script uh, of uh rites that you're reading you're you have a set way of doing this where they were saying that what i was reading was that christianity doesn't you don't have to get permission from from anybody you and don't. it's a little less formal it's right. more of in and depending on the research pieces that you read if it was written by a christian person versus a catholic person or versus an atheist there was a lot of different opinions on the power of different exorcism right that, that is so broad because I, yes I, I have a couple of different thoughts on that first of all you know we've we've been given you know through the bible teaches us that through the name of jesus we've been mm -hmm. given uh, power over demons and spirits and whatnot. And, and we can, you know, rebuke them, you know, in Jesus's name. However, there's the story of Acts that I keep going back to. Um, I think it's Acts chapter 18, 19, where, um, where these guys decide to go out and they find a man who's possessed and they want to cast out whatever it is that's in him. And he says to them, um, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know, but who are you? And he beats the tar out of all of them, you know, just beats the brakes right off of them. And I, I keep thinking to myself, you know, there's, there's so many unknowns, you know, that you have to be, I think, I, I you'd have to be very strong in your spiritual authority. You'd have to be very strong mm -hmm. in your, your spiritual knowledge base, I think, to deal with that. But Absolutely. I, I do feel, though that where I am comfortable in that and um, is that if I recognize that I am being harassed by something that I can take power over that, even just under my breath, I don't have to wave around my arms. I don't have to ask for money. I don't have to, I don't right. have to, you know, to, to throw water on them or anything like that, that I can do that privately. And it doesn't have to be a huge spectacle, but sister, let me tell you something. There are some things that I would not want to tackle. Okay. Um, not because my faith is any less than anybody else's, you know, um, but because I, I know that I don't have, I don't have all the answers. And so because I don't have all the answers, I feel like that would be, I would question myself. Right. And they know that. Right. They would, they would. <laughs> 
find that little exactly, self-doubt. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. The, the research did say that both recommend, both Catholicism and Christianity recommend having a, a religious figure mm-hmm. um, and an assistant, you know, having somebody to kind of power through this oh, with yeah. you. And they both use scripture from the Bible and want the demon to identify himself by name. Mm-hmm. So that's some similarities there, which I thought was interesting, which also led me to the question of, who cares what his name is? Oh. You know what I mean? Uh, no. Apparently, it's a thing. It's very important. <laughs> it it's is very, very important. For a lot of different reasons. For a lot of different reasons. You think about what's in a name. A name is the very first thing that we bless our children with. You know, it's very important, you know, what you name your child, right? Um, you don't want to name your kid Azazel. I mean, wouldn't that be awful? <laughs> For so many reasons. <laughs> Somebody told me recently that they wanted to name their new dog Azazel. And I was like, what are you thinking? Um but anyway, there's, there's, you know, it, it's in the name of Jesus that we are able to do these things, right? So, but there's other reasons too, you know? I mean, de- I believe that demons travel in family groups. I'll give you a great example of that. Like if we're, if we're doing, I've been in mental and behavioral health for the last several years, okay? So if we're dealing with somebody who is like, you know, a narcissist, mm-hmm. for instance, you can't really have a narcissist that doesn't also know how to gaslight, correct? Right. Okay. So if, if let's say that, that a demon is, is narcissism, Mm -hmm. right. And you want to, you want to release that person of a demon of narcissism, right. To know his name is also to know that there's probably gaslighting hanging around in there somewhere, you know? Okay. So, so that's why it's important, you know, is because there's family groups of demons, you know? And so it's important to, to clean house, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't clean house without knowing the names. Right? Yeah. They were also saying, I was reading that you, you, I say, I keep saying they were also saying what that means for people who don't speak Southern is that <laughs> <laughs> that's what I read in the research. Um, <laughs> it's like the other day that could be six months ago. Right. Absolutely. Um, what I was reading was that it also binds the demon. It also yes. takes away its power. It starts to weaken it, which I find really interesting. I see you, you see me. Right. It's right. very interesting to me. And it kind of goes along with, I think, something you and I were talking about just the other day. When you have, let's say you have a spirit in your house, right? And you want that spirit to leave you alone. Mm-hmm. You can just say, okay, I need you to leave me alone. And they will. Why? Is there like spirit police? Is there demon police? Who is making all this happen? Because we've been given dominion over, over demons. In the Bible, I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's tons of scriptures. I'm not going to get into all the scriptures, right, right. right? But there's tons of scriptures where Jesus has given us dominions in His name. So we're like the police. Over, yeah. Well, He's the police. Yeah. He's the sheriff. He's the sheriff. We're <laughs> <laughs> just the deputies. <laughs> Right. There's our analogy for the day. <laughs> and that wasn't the most us. <laughs> oh, good It'll lord. Speak to somebody. It will. <laughs> Two listeners will understand. <laughs> um now here's something I do want to spend some time on. There's a lot of there's a lot of red know, right in here. I know. How do people become possessed? How do mm. we open that door? You know, it was funny because one of the things that I had researched um, actually came from somebody who was a practicing witch. And it was so funny to me because um, I absolutely agreed with everything that she said, mm-hmm. you know, that there are certain behaviors that we have that drive us to 
opening that door whether we want to or not mm-hmm. you know obviously an obsession with any kind of a cold yes. witchcraft that kind of thing definitely opens up that door um i am a, a very anti ouija board person mm-hmm. because i feel like that is a wide open door you know personally um to a lot of different things you know um but there's that and then there's people who are also um who are also um op- um obsessed with you know things that are you know, murder and death related right. and that kind of stuff, you know, I mean, we, <laughs> and it's so funny because I've thought about that so often because we all love our murder podcast, sure. you know, so I wonder, it's like, hmm, and it's, there's a big, you know, focus on it suddenly, you know, where you see it all over TikTok, you see mm-hmm. it on social medias, you know, where everyone's talking about murder podcasts. I'm not saying that's a door to a demon. Okay. Right. Just be clear, be clear listeners. I'm not saying <laughs> that if you love your murder podcasts that, you know, you're opening the door, but it is an opportunity um, that I have that I have read about. And I, and that would absolutely make sense. Um, uh, depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, mental health concerns, you know, I know that, um, that there's a lot of, you know, controversy around that, you know, we can talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. that if you want to. Um, and then drug use, man, what psychedelics, man, for, for sure, you know, are just an open, an open door, but, you know, imagine what kind of, um, physiological state that you're in when when you do drugs mm-hmm. you know and the um the subconscious at play definitely could be and yeah. we're going to talk a little more about mental illness and, and how it, that has played a little bit of a part in the history mm-hmm. of exorcisms um trauma and vulnerability also can play into oh, being yeah. possessed because you're so you know your defenses are down you're weaker you aren't in a place where you can fight off a lot of things and so that can invite it in um, it stimulates a lot of a lot of things too. Yeah, you know, feelings of self worth and blame and all that kind of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the entire job of a of a demon, right? Is to get in there and just harass your vulnerabilities. Correct. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just you know, it, it's absolutely a gateway, I believe, for yeah. people to feel just opening yourself up to any sort of moral impurity, any sort of evil practices, I guess you could call them, Mm -hmm. or maybe you are doing Ouija board, which I, in in contrast to you, I don't think there's anything wrong with Ouija board if you do it right. Right. You know, but I can, I think it goes a lot uh, along with. My concern is doing it right. Right. (laughs) It goes along with like, if I wanted to build a house, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to build a house. I'm probably not going to do it right. Mm -hmm. You know, if you use a Ouija board and you're not doing it right, you're probably going to mess up something. So like we were saying, the exorcism versus deliverance, I don't think we ever finish that thought, um, which is how our conversations normally go. (laughs) We just jump around. But exorcism versus deliverance, exorcism, um, like we were saying, is a lot more ritualistic. It's a lot more of a hard practice where deliverance is a little bit softer. Right. Um, Would you say, because the research that I've I've been looking into says that baptism is a form of of soft exorcism, minor exorcism is what they call it. Because in the Christian religion, you are born with original sin. And so as a baby, you are baptized, right? Right. You are, you're baptized. Now in my personal, you know, I was raised in, in a real, in a Christian religion. We didn't baptize. You didn't get baptized until you were old enough to make a choice to get baptized. Um, but many Christian religions, you baptize a baby as soon as they're born, you know, Mm -hmm. within, you know, a few weeks, few months, whatever it is. Do you think that is an exorcism of some sort? You know, I've never, I've never heard it termed as an exorcism. I know that it's the, um, it's the symbolic washing away of the old man, right. and, you know, coming forward. Um, we, we never had baby baptisms. I think that's, you know, that's a little st- structured maybe. Yeah. We've had, um, baby dedications, mm-hmm. 
you know what's that um baby dedication is when the parents go up and they they symbolically dedicate their baby to you know raise them according to okay. principles you know um but it's you know um i'm trying to remember honestly how old my children were they were they were not babies they were old enough we had baby um dedications but it wasn't until they were older that they were baptized yeah um i'm not sure if my youngest has ever been baptized. I probably need to talk to her about that. <laughs> Quick, throw some water on her. No, just kidding. Um, but, uh, oh my gosh, this is such a sidebar. Have you ever seen that scene from Nacho Libre? I've never seen Nacho Libre. I cannot believe I know. Have a girls night and watch Nacho okay. Libre. Okay. Well, your listeners will know the scene <laughs> that I'm talking about from Nacho Libre when he finds out that his little, you know, companion has not been baptized. And so he sneaks up on him to quickly baptize him. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's one of my favorite scenes ever in the history of cinematonic, cinematonic, Cin- some cinematic, cinematic, cinematic in the movie world. Right. You can edit that out. That's it's fine. fine. I'm leaving it in. I'm leaving that, I'm leaving that in. Leaving that part in. Uh, <laughs> so how do you know if you've been possessed? Right. And, and this is something that I have a huge, huge issue with because the gamut is so broad. There are so many stories that I have read in podcasts I've listened to where people are like, oh, she was possessed because she was speaking in Latin. They leave out that she studied Latin. You know, so I think some of these signs, sure, they can be part of that, but I think we need to dive deeper into them to really find out what the problem is. And I'm going to give you guys a little bit, a, a story of a how that kind of plays in. But some of the ways that you know you're possessed, um, speaking in languages you wouldn't normally speak in. Do you ever really know that you're possessed or? I, other people would. I can't imagine starting off a conversation. P.S. By the way, BT dubs. <laughs> BT dubs. I have this demon that's living inside me. Beelzebub has been hanging mm-hmm. with me today. That's. <laughs> so if I could get two cannolis instead of one, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> To feed my inner child. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> um, knowledge of things that you would not normally know. So, like, if if I came to if I if I That's came to you one. and I knew that you know you had a secret, then all of a sudden I knew your secret. That would be one that would be that would be a, an indicator. Aversion to sacred places, symbols, people. You don't want to look at the cross. You can't touch the Bible. You don't like your priest. All of a sudden. Um, do you really think that that one's like a big one or is that like a Hollywood version of it? Well, some of the cases that I've read, mm-hmm. it's a thing. They actually do. I'm just curious. My I... personal belief is it's a Hollywood thing. Mm. Again, I've never seen it happen. So there could be listeners out there like, no, no, I've seen it happen. It's for real. You know, it's, this is a real a real thing. And it very well could be. Um, superhuman strength is another way. That you that's an indicator. But then you have to think, well, what about those moms who they're, you know, you have that, you know, you've heard those stories before where a mom has picked up a car to get it off her kid. Right. Which is something you I would try to do. Not that I could. But, you know, you would try to do that because, like you said, your adrenaline's pumping. You're trying to save something that's Mm -hmm. very important to you. Um, And then (laughs) this is my favorite. The ability to act as a medium between spiritual and physical world, which I do. So. Maybe I can have two cannolis. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Take one to go. <laughs> Take one to go. Whatever the case may be. So those are just some of the ways that people are identifying others as being possessed. Did you have any to add to that list? 
Um, I think that a big one is probably that whole spirit of knowledge thing mm-hmm. that you were talking about. I mean, just the ability um, to to know things about people. Um, some people would call that a gift. I don't feel like that's a gift at all. Um, well, I guess it, from the perspective of how you use it, you right? Know? Um, oh gosh, that's one. That's one that we could just go so deep into. It really is. Know? Like all of I these mean, could honestly, be a show, right? Um, I. I think that there's a lot of layers in that particular one mm-hmm. um, that could probably, it, it might just be a nice roll up mm-hmm. to a lot of the other things that I'm thinking of off the top of my head. Yeah, absolutely. So there was a, in uh, our listeners, and you probably have heard of it too, Annalise Michelle. Oh, yeah. She was a girl that was possessed back in the 70s. I have her picture here. Somewhere I have to find it. So if you're looking, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see her picture there. She's a very famous case of exorcism or of a demon possession and her exorcism actually led to her death it did she died of malnutrition and dehydration yeah Yeah. she was um very very young but her story for those of you who don't know it just to kind of give you the brief synopsis they've made a movie out of it of course but a brief synopsis of her real story is she was born into a very devout catholic family especially her mother and her mother was um had instilled in them ways to you know protect yourself from sin so she would make her kids sleep on the wooden floor in winter and they lived in west germany i believe mm-hmm. um in, in the winter they slept on the wooden floor with no blankets and things like that to physically try to chase that away that that's how yeah That'll drive me out mm-hmm. <laughs> it really would <laughs> it really would um so she attended mass two times a week she studied latin she studied roman mm-hmm. um like old roman languages and she studied them specifically in the Christian texts that they were reading, the Catholic texts mm-hmm. that they were reading. So she would attend mass, like I said, twice a week. She had her first seizure when she was 16 at school. So she's learning the scriptures she's in learning, Latin. Yes, in, oh. in Latin yeah. and in this Rome, old Roman language. And it never mm-hmm. occurred to anybody that that would mm-hmm. be a... Huh. So... I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> no. getting ahead of your story. No, you're good. It, yeah, it all, it's all going to circle back. Mm-hmm. So she has a seizure at 16 at school. A year later, she has another seizure, and her mom goes, okay, we're going to the neurologist at this point. She takes her to the doctor, Mm -hmm. and we're now in the 1970s. This isn't that long ago, Mm -hmm. right? In my head, it's 30 years ago. I know it's not, but in my head. My birthday says otherwise. (laughs) It's 30 years ago. Um, She was taken to get help. The neurologist put her on medication. The medication wasn't working quickly enough for Annalise. Mm -hmm. Now, here is something I did not know because I have never seen the movie. I don't watch scary movies. Are you talking about Emily Rose? Mm, I don't know. I think it's the Emily Rose, the haunting of Emily Rose, I think. I think so. Okay. So she she was the one who wanted spiritual help. She's the one that thought she was possessed by demons. She's like, none of this is right. The medicine isn't making me feel much better. It helped a little. Mm -hmm. It didn't help a lot. So um, she was diagnosed with what's called temporal lobe epilepsy, which the symptoms are you lose your memory, mm-hmm. you have seizures, mm-hmm. audiovisual hallucinations. Okay, red flag. Right. That can also um, be caused by scarring of the temporal lobe. So that can happen if you have a head injury, you fall mm-hmm. when you're a kid. We know so much more now about traumatic brain injuries than they did back then. Right. So I, I, I don't want to, to, um, put blame on the medical professionals because that might, I mean, I don't know the history of I medicine, science, but it, yeah. exactly. They hadn't learned it yet. So something else that can be, be tied to that is something called Gershard syndrome. And that is symptoms of that are hyper religiosity and hallucinations. 
which play into this, right? Let me give you a list. Right? So, um, like I said, she the, the the seizures didn't stop completely. The hallucinations didn't stop completely. She ended up developing TB and pneumonia and was put into a sanatorium until she was better. Mm-hmm. When she came home from the sanatorium, her parents said she was not who she used to be. She was not herself. She was very quick to temper. She was very quick to get angry. She um, would hear voices saying that she was damned to hell. She would every she would see demonic faces. In many of the places that she looked. Of course, we're not even talking about PTSD or any of those issues. No, we're not even tying any of that in. This is just just physiological at this point. Is that the right word? Mm -hmm. Physiological? Um, So she goes to a religious retreat, and one of the women on the retreat noticed that she, Annalise, she, Annalise, had an aversion to the cross, and she couldn't look at pictures of Jesus. She could still hold her text. She could still hold her Bible and read from it, but she was averted. She had an aversion to those other things. So mm-hmm. she brought the woman at the retreat brought that up to the priest. Mm-hmm. And at that point, um, she was still getting her medicine. But Annalise said, "I'm done. I'm not taking anymore." So she completely stopped taking her medicine for her epilepsy. And that was her choice. Right. Um, How she, old was she at this point? This point, she was twenty-two. Okay, twenty-one, twenty-two. So. She decided that she was, she got her mom and they went to seek spiritual help. Mm-hmm. The priest said, because this is about the time the exorcism came out. Mm-hmm. Everyone was all of a sudden possessed by demons, right? And so they were really, the Catholic church was really weeding out the ones who were just exaggerating and, and wanted this experience for whatever reason, right. why you would want that, I don't know. And then the people who were really afflicted. So the the church turned her away mm-hmm. and she went, um, to a mental health counselor who, again, said you should probably be on medicine. She didn't want to do that. Eventually, she did get um, a spiritual, uh, she got some spiritual help. So she got help from Father Ernst Alt and his assistant Arnold Renz. They got permission from a bishop in the church, and they conducted their first exorcism on Annalise in September of 1975. She had 67 exorcisms done. In 10 months. Bless her heart. 67. Each of them lasted one to four hours. Um, by the time they got there All for her. Yeah. One to four hours at a time. And she was doing like two a week. Two a week. Mm-hmm. By the time they got to her for that first exorcism, it was reported. Now, keep in mind, this is documented. You can go online and listen to these things happen because they were recording it. Mm-hmm. Um, she was barking like a dog, eating spiders. She'd rip her clothes off. At one point, she bit the head off of a dead bird, and she would lick her own urine up off the floor. Um, she would do what they would call squatting up to 400 times a day. And that's when you are standing up and you just really hard, you fall on your knees in like a prayer position. Mm-hmm. But she would get up and down, up and down, up and down to the point it broke her kneecaps. Wow. She was still doing it in spite of her broken kneecaps. Mm-hmm. So it was all of these things that were happening. Um, she would utter religious phrases in Latin, mm-hmm. but... She knew Latin. She studied it, right? So during her exorcism, she would start to growl at the priest. And um, the the priest assistant, Renz, stated that Annalise had six demons inside of her. And he was able to identify them. It was Judas, Cain of Cain and Abel, uh, Hitler, Nero, a banished local priest, and then Lucifer himself. So she had these six big people in her. Now, um, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to finish the story. And then I have I have things to say. So, like I said, 67 exorcisms in 10 months. She stopped eating. They would tie her up to keep her from, you know, eating dead bird heads and, and these types of things. 
And like even her family would hold her down. And there's photos of this. There's video evidence of this happening. Now, her final exorcism was June 1976. There's not a lot known about what happened that night, but the next morning she was dead. Uh, She was 23 years old. She died of dehydration and malnutrition. The two priests and her parents were both convicted of uh, manslaughter, and they went to jail. So that is, to me, this screams out that she had, I don't know, I feel like this was medical. I feel like, and maybe that's just my background, I don't know if a spiritual Obviously, spiritual help didn't do anything for her. So 67 exorcisms? What I find interesting about that is is that, you know, personality disorders can um, manifest like this. And then the demons, the demons aren't necessarily by name. They're not necessarily demonic traits. You know what I'm saying? They're people like that's. I can understand like the spirit of Antichrist, which I believe that Hitler probably was a Nero, you know, was was definitely, you know, I, I, I don't believe that there's just one Antichrist. I okay. think that personally, I believe that the spirit of Antichrist can be, you know, can afflict many people throughout history. Okay. Um, but interesting that they are not like demons that are that are known to us, you know, not like, you know, BL, you know, Azazel or, you know, or any of these other, I've used Azazel twice now, but he's in my head. Um, Azriel is another one. If you want to, you know, which I always thought was weird about the Smurfs too. So Azriel is also the name of an archangel. Isn't that weird? That is very strange. Cause I made this. Fallen? No, I made the same connection when I did my episode on archangels. I was like, it reminds me of the Smurfs. So, yeah. okay. Um, anyway, but I, I think it's interesting that they don't have, you know, that it's not, it's not like a, a spirit of murder. It's not right. like a spirit of untruth. It's not like a spirit of gluttony. It's not like any of those spirits. It's Hitler, Nero. I mean, that's wild. It's very specific. And I thought that was. That sounds to me like more personality disorder, but that's just yes. me personally. Like well, I think so too, because I, I feel like here's the bad guys of history and you're pulling all of them at the same time. Right, right, right. What right. are the chances of that happening? And what are their common traits too? That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's not something that's inside of them either. It's just them, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And, name. That's right. Weird. And there's actual, you know, audio of her. You can hear her saying mm-hmm. who she is. Right. And it's, you know, not in English, obviously, but you can hear the names. And then there's the translation. My other, my other thing was, was, you know, you said that she had been off of her medications, but, you know, another possibility is, is, is she over medicated? You know, right. Which or not be... the correct medication. Absolutely. This is the 1970s. Absolutely. There wasn't a ton of research in mental health at that point. Right. So it, it could have been a host of things. Um, something that I did read that I thought was interesting. And again, guys, we're not medical professionals. We're not oh, yeah, mental no, health experts. Not. We don't. Just having a conversation. Yeah. I forgot about the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I think that because a lot of, of this stuff is tied to schizophrenia, mm-hmm. right? A schizophrenia has a lot of the same symptoms as possessions. So now the Catholic church has this whole process of weeding out mental illness before they'll even touch your case. Right. right? So they, they have really come a long way in identifying some of these symptoms as being things that aren't spiritual. They're Mm -hmm. mental illness. You need to get help for these things, Mm -hmm. but I can see, I can, you know, I, I, I can't imagine being in her shoes and being raised the way she was raised 
and thinking that I have something, you know, there's a demon inside of me and this medicine's not working and you stop taking it and there's really no help. I mean, she got help, but it was the help of the 70s. So it's like how much help, you know, she, she's not getting the help that you right. would today. She's right. not getting that kind of care. It's just really sad. It it's is sad. really, really sad. And it's happened over and over and over through history. I mean, just as recently as 2003, there was an eight-year-old autistic boy who they thought he was possessed. And during prayer service, and this is a, a reverend that did this, so he wasn't Catholic, the reverend performing the exorcism sat on his chest and suffocated this mm. eight-year-old boy, ended up going to jail, uh, convicted of homicide. In 2005, a Romanian nun. Right. So that movie is called The Crucifixion. I actually just watched it last week. On The Nun? Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. know it was a movie. I remember when it happened. Okay. I remember when the Romanian priest and the nuns went to jail. Yes. For like seven years or something like that. Um, for... There's, if you're on YouTube, that's the, the monk's picture that was doing the exorcism yeah. there. It was it was actually, um, it was kind of a wild movie, but um, interesting that it was based on this story. Because, again, you know, it's one thing to read about this kind of stuff, you know, that happened throughout history. But when you remember, oh, my gosh, yeah. That happened that in happened. our lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. So that's wild. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't. I, I know the Hollywood version of mm -hmm. that movie, but I don't know. And that kind of brings us to another topic, how Hollywood has sensationalized all of these horrible, horrible um, events in these people's lives. And it, it really upsets me. I've never, I don't watch scary movies because I get really scared. And I know I just said, and I contradicted myself, I don't get scared, but I don't like scary movies. And the reason is. Gratuitous horror. It really is. Yeah. Like, I don't like the Life cut them up. scary enough. <laughs> right. Like, I don't like the cut them up scary movies. Like, probably right. the ghost stories, like Conjuring and things like that, I'd probably be okay with. I actually like the Conjuring series. If really? there was ever to be, like, a Hollywood standalone, I think, of, really? what, of what extreme spiritual activity would be, I, I would say The Conjuring. Really? Mm -hmm. I've never seen it. I That's one in Paranormal Activity. I want to see that as well. Paranormal activity, I, I thought, was, wasn't that like kind of like that? The Blair Witch yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. So I, I just, I would like to see those. Um, I just haven't. So I I've never know. seen The Exorcist. I haven't either. Yeah, I've never seen The Exorcist. And, and not necessarily because, you know, I care one way or the other about it. But um, have you ever read the issues that they had during production? Yes, I okay, have. That in of itself. I absolutely believe it. And for that reason, I was like, nope, don't need to see that. Yep. You know, because somebody thought it was real. Somebody did. You know? Somebody did. So, um, and that was, if you want to look up the story of the real exorcist, it's the Roland Dole, Doe story, D-O-E. And it was, so the exorcist they portrayed as a teenage girl. It was mm -hmm. a teenage boy. So they, right. they changed some things in it. There was a lot of similarities, but Hollywood does tend to make it bigger than it is. Just like these paranormal investigation shows on TV. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> But they're, they're, some of them, not all of them, but some of them are just absolutely out of control with, I've just been possessed by a demon. Really, at every location you go to, you're right. going to get possessed by a demon, sweetie. Time. Oh, bless your heart. So <laughs> it, it's the same kind of thing. So I also have something that, that I saw as I was reading through, you know, trying to find examples of movies that do talk about exorcisms. So you have like the Annabelle, the conjuring, mm. you have the devil made me do it. Mm -hmm. You have those. And there was a commonality there with these, um, demonologists, the Ed and Lorraine Warren. Listen, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know whether or not I'd be terrified or just completely infatuated with them. Because I, I mean, I believe in it, obviously. Right. You know, 
but I'd be like, I don't believe them. I think they're phonies. Do you really? I really do. I think they started out with a good, right? Good intention. Oh. But I've listened to tapes of them talking to movie producers because, mm-hmm. like, there's recordings online you can listen to where she's telling them to exaggerate and she's telling them to do different things and what really happened. And so, it was a turnoff for me. So, what about can you relate that with like TV evangelism? Oh, absolutely. Because I kind of think that it's like the opposite of. You know, not not the opposite opposite sides of the spectrum, but the same animal. You right. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, you start off with good intention, yeah, and but then, then it somehow, just somehow before you know it, it becomes too much for yeah. you. There's there's a lot of layers to that. Um, also, you know, I one of the things that I was researching last night was how many how many of these movies are based in either America or Europe. You know, and the only one that I could think of off the top of my head that had to do with any kind of spiritual anything that was anywhere other than you know the those two areas was like the grudge i think it was in japan mm. right um i didn't see it things are crawling out of your tv i can't watch that <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's not the grudge that's um that's the the chick in the well samara what, oh what, i don't know it? the ring oh in the ring what's yeah. the grudge the grudge is the um the it's the story of a guy who kills his no it's a mother who kills her child, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Listen, I only had to watch it once, and then I was like, nope, not going to do that again. <laughs> you know, I have the funniest story about that, too. Can I tell yeah. that? Okay. So I used to work for the military years ago, um, at four years, for like almost my whole career right. before I went into this other branch and did something else. Um, anyway, so worked for the military for years, saw the grudge, and that night, um, or the next night I was working late. We were in the middle of deployments, you know, it was the height of the war, you know, whatever. And I walked out of my office to find that I was the last one in the building. And, um, there, the building was huge. And if you look down the long corridor, all you can see are like the red exit signs. So those yeah. are the only things that are illuminating your path. Right. Happens to also be a scene out of the grudge. Okay. okay. So I had to go put some paperwork on the general's desk. And on the video camera later, when they check the security, (laughs) they see me tearing down the hallway (laughs) and tearing back, you know, and I don't run for nobody. Right. I mean, seriously, if I was being chased by a predator, I just lay down, make me a charcuterie board. Like, I don't care. Okay. I'm really tired. tearing down the hallway (laughs) because I was... I had freaked myself out so much. Yeah, that was, I was a one and done. On oh the my drive. God. That's but so it took funny. place in Japan. Okay. And so it was a haunting of a home that an American, okay, so there's that American element, but still, you know, I mean, you know, Japan is for Godzilla, not in, you know, China is for the Meg and, you know, I mean, right. it's normally creature oriented, you know, so it was the first time that I had ever seen. I just kind of thought it was interesting because we do have an obsession with we do. wanting to understand but the look occult. where catholicism and christianity is well, most exactly. popular it's europe and america Anglo, right no i, I not that it. that's what, the only places they are but no, absolutely it's... not but still i mean demons are afoot just about everywhere right sure so, um but you know when we were talking about whether or not these things exist in other religions you know you don't you don't find too many records of that you know and there's a lot of there's a lot of um there's a lot of stuff there, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, the, the, the Buddhists, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff, that. you know, that wasn't on your list. And I thought that was funny. I actually I, changed it last night when I was looking okay. because I think you had Taoism or something yeah. on there too, you know? Um, 
but there's, you know, the Tibetan Book of the Dead and mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's all these different, you know, of course, that's not so much about demons, but it's about helping your transition into the next life. And, you know, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of written materials from these perspectives. But, you know, they just call them different things like in do. Islam it's the jinn, and they, they, they have different names for them and different belief systems behind them. But I think overall, it's about the same idea, you know, My something evil I- has has bought has i don't want to say invaded but something evil is is uh what's the word i'm looking for you said it earlier influencing you right right my husband and i on our hot date yesterday we're talking about the gin because that's what we do we talk about the gin and dinosaurs and weird you know things like that and uh, i had actually asked him the answer was no but i asked him if he thought that the gin um fed into any stories of like the nephilim and that kind of stuff you know from from uh um the Christian and, and Judaic point of view, his answer was no, but I thought it was interesting because it shared a lot of the same characteristics and, um, and, and he's like super, you know, read on those things. Yeah. I just have to listen to it. So I, you know, I'm only an expert because I've had to be, you know, <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, I just, I just think that, um, that Hollywood has definitely um, glorified this experience and has given us an expectation, but it's also done its damage because again, I don't feel that demon possession or oppression or anything like that necessarily has to be huge. Right. Nor do I think that exorcisms, even if you're looking from the non-Catholic point of view with like TV evangelisms, you know, I don't, or evangelists, I don't necessarily think that it's necessary to wear a three-piece suit and ask for money at the end either. Right. You know, I just think that it doesn't have to be that dramatic. I think that we are being attacked all the time simply because of our human nature. And that's the, that's the world we live in. Mm -hmm. But I feel that, you know, that taking dominion or authority over that can really just be binding it in the moment under your breath or out loud or in your head or whatever and moving on you know i think recognition is the the important thing there you know that you recognize you know and your reaction to that mm-hmm. is is appropriate you know right. um to avoid any further that's just me personally I'd have say. you ever had an experience with a, a demon or in, encounters or interactions yes absolutely okay um i think that well one of the ones that i think made an impression both on myself and also my husband was um and and it's funny that you had mentioned annabelle on mm-hmm. this one because annabelle wasn't a real person right annabelle right. doll right all right okay so my husband um was 25 years in the, in the military mm-hmm. right um very successful and before we had children, um, he was also very much a collector of World War II um, paraphernalia. And um, and just an interjection, your husband is one of the smartest people I know. Yeah. Like literally is very academic and researched on, on all of these things. And he is not something for our listeners just so they know who this person is. He's not going to take something um, just based on somebody's word. Of oh, it. absolutely not. He is absolutely. Yeah. Not. So just so you know who we're talking about here. So he retired as an army sergeant major and he mm-hmm. didn't get to that point by being dumb. Ooh. I've met some dumb army sergeant majors, but he is not <laughs> one of them. Okay. <laughs> um, he is, uh, he's, he's just an interesting guy. I gotta tell you, I, we've been married for, um, going on 31 years and, um, 
I've learned a lot from him, but, uh, and he'd be a great one to have on yeah, your podcast 100%. because his interest is in interdimensional travel and, and, and I would just have to sit there and listen because I don't know anything. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So he could, he could give you like all kinds of stuff, but anyway, um, so, so one of his friends who was in the reenactment, the world war two reenactment, um, arena, um, and in the industry, because he dealt a lot with the, the, um, buying and selling of world war two paraphernalia mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, he had a brain aneurysm and died. Oh, I mean, man. just out of the blue, like it happened in the middle of the night. That's so Wife sad. Woke up, he's dead. So she called Dan and asked him if he would come over and he would look through the stuff that he had and would he be interested to buying it as a bulk sale. Yeah. And so we went over there, spent several hours. Dan went through it and said, absolutely, I can turn this around on eBay. I can turn it around at, you know, at, um, at different, um, uh, gun shows and stuff like that. You know, people are always interested in it. This is 27, 29 years ago. So we purchased all of it, mm-hmm. brought it home, going through it. And um, one of the things that he pulled out was an authentic Nazi youth armband with mm-hmm. a swastika. Now, we've already talked about my Judaic history here. Okay? Sure. And I was like, absolutely not. Right. Like, we are not doing this. This is not coming into our home. It's not right. going to be, you know, I am not having this presence. And um, he was like, listen, you know, I absolutely agree 100%, but I can't just keep something like this that has the sig- significant historical, you know, value on it in the garage. Mm-hmm. You know, just let me keep it in, you know, in the house, you know, for a day or two until I figure out the, you know, the right thing to do with it. Well, we lived, um, we were on recruiting duty at the time. We lived in a very traditional cracker style home, you know, mm-hmm. with the long hallway down the middle. And I had a curio cabinet in that hallway with angel figurines that I'd been collecting since I was a kid. And that curio cabinet faced the opening to um, the office area where Dan had this Nazi youth band on it. And um, that night we went to bed, very begrudging about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. This is, this is, I am not not comfortable with this. Like I absolutely, like you have just changed the spiritual dynamic of this house. Like I am not a happy girl. That night, we both woke up to hear scratching on our wood floors. And when we woke up and started prowling the house, it was not coming from inside. It was underneath. So, of course, two in the morning, Dan's got a flashlight under the house, you know, and I'm reminding him, hey, you remember that news story where the the python like got loose and like ate the little dog? And and of course, you know, he's not happy with me then either. Sure. (laughs) Because now he's thinking about the python. Right. Exactly. You know. (laughs) Nothing under the house, you know, wow. very old house. Nothing was under it, but definitely was hearing some significant noises to wake us both up in the middle of the night. Well, that hallway that extended into, you know, down the middle of our house, you know, the front door opened onto it, but we never used the front door. The front door stayed bolted shut. The screen door stayed locked. We only used the back door. The next morning he left for work. I woke up and I walked out. And not only was the front door wide open and the screen door was wide open, but only my angel figurines in the curio cabinet had their backs turned out. <gasps> oh my God. It's got goosebumps to the swastika. everywhere. And it was directly, wow. like directly across from my curio cabinet. And I called Dan at work and I was like, absolutely not. Get it out of my house like right now. And, um, and he did, but that was, that was such a real experience you know where we were just like 
and then after that, it's like, what do you do? Okay. So the swastika is out of the house, but what do you, you know, what do you do to fill that space? You know, and that's something else too, with possessions too, is that, you know, what do you do to fill that space once you, um, once you get rid of whatever it is, you know? So that was probably, you know, my biggest, um, physical experience that I have had with, um, with something being attached to an inanimate object. Um, for, you know, as far as people are concerned, there are, I feel that, um, that a lot of my dealings where I really became aware of this kind of stuff in my own life, you know, here's the funny thing too, about being raised in a Christian home, right? Because if you're raised in a Christian home and you're raised in the Christian church, your belief system becomes that of your parents, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So when you get out and get on your own, you know, it's very, I, I think that it's very hard for, um, for people to maintain that Christianity because it's not theirs originally, mm-hmm. you know, um, I was raised a little bit differently. Okay. So my parents weren't raised in that either, any, you know, that same environment. So when they became Christians, it was very dramatic for them and it was a very dramatic life change for them. Um, but it wasn't that dramatic for me because I was raised in it. Right. right? So, um, so I think that it becomes important when you get out and get on your own to develop your own, but your own belief system. But I feel like it's because there are some things that, you know, and my parents will probably listen to this and, and I don't ever want to disappoint, you know, my parents, especially my father. Um, but there are things that I have learned that may fall outside of what they believe, you know, um, because my experience is different. That's, that's what perspective is all about, right? It's different set of goggles. You know, if you can imagine perspective like goggles and we see the world, you know, based on our, our experiences, our religion, our, um, our sexuality, our personality, our family history, you know, all that kind of stuff, it all makes up, you know, our different perspectives. Um, and they're not necessarily going to match. So I feel that, um, that, the uniqueness though of how they raised me was to at least be able to recognize when things were, um, were presented to me in such a way. And I think that my first real demonic presence was, was a demon called Jezebel. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it so interesting now, um, that social media has, has really allowed us to focus on mental and behavioral health. Yes. Because um, if you read the characteristics of a demon of Jezebel, what you're going to find is a lot of the narcissistic traits. And I, um, there's a sexual component to the spirit of Jezebel um, that is not necessarily that of the narcissistic trait. Um, and, and not, it doesn't necessarily, demons don't have to necessarily manifest every imaginable trait that mm-hmm. would fall underneath that, you know, that particular demon um, in a person, I just really think that, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there, but, um, I have a situation, you know, with someone who I know who, you know, is, has not been a part of our family for a while where the question has been, well, is that person simply a narcissist or are they afflicted in some way, you know, by a demon? And, um, and I will tell you that I know for a fact that while, yes, it's true, they probably are a narcissist as well, but I absolutely feel like there is, um, definitely a demonic um, presence there for two reasons. First of all, the thing reads my mind. And second of all, this person weaponizes religion. Mm. 
I mean, demons would love to quote the Bible to you all day long, right? Even the devil can quote scripture. Right. So the Satan, are you saying you believe? No, I'm just kidding. I, mean, <laughs> I just even, like to use that. <laughs> in, in the Bible, you know, Satan uses the Bible against, or right. the scriptures against Jesus, you know, not the Bible. Anyway, so um, I remember driving with this person and they would not stop. They were just, I mean, the constant beratement, you know, onslaught was just constant. And I remember thinking, looking over and finding that they didn't have their seatbelt. This is this is before seatbelt alarms were sure. nonstop in the car, right? They didn't have their seatbelt um, fastened, and I did. And I was like, I, I wonder if I could just drive off this bridge and, like, deal with my own issue. And this person, like, stop dead sentence. Did I just break that? No, you didn't. I just... Okay. Sorry. It just does a little wiggle. Stopped in the middle of what they were doing. Looked at me with just like this disdain and jerked that seatbelt. <gasps> and then just kept on going. And I was Whoa. like, I'm driving with the demon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I spent my Saturday. <laughs> um, so that to me was confirmation that what I was dealing with was very real, you know. Um, and Wow. But, you know, it's for us, our solution to that was to um, because there was no. I mean, we had a choice. We could either deal with this demon for the rest of our lives and watch it tear apart the fibers of our family or we could cut ties with, with that person. So that's what we did. We just yeah. cut ties. Completely. We didn't really didn't have a choice. Right. No, absolutely not. You know, um, and you want to talk about a healing in our lives, you know, that really happened where we just didn't realize just the the um, division that it was causing just even with, with myself and my husband, you know, um, that completely healed. And um, there's a scripture that uh, talks about that the Lord will restore the years that the locusts have eaten from mm -hmm. you. And that's, I think about that all the time because it was truly a restoration of what was severely eroded. And it really went back to this one person. Right. And so, um, so yeah, no, we absolutely have experienced all sorts of different things. I, there is, there is something that I feel like we, t we don't talk enough about, um, specifically about communication. And this happens to just about everybody. I have often wondered, and this is not academic. Okay. This is just me and my, you know, hour drive to work when I'm alone with my thoughts. Sure. Okay. I have often wondered, have you ever talked to anybody where you're like, I swear we are not talking about the same thing? You know that saying there's there's your story, there's their story, and there's a truth? Mm -hmm. Okay. So have you ever been in a conversation either with, with your husband or with your children or with anybody else that you are not, whatever you're saying, they are not interpreting that way? Yes. And vice versa. Mm -hmm. It's like you cannot have a You can't make minds. it work you can't have, make it come across and yet if there was a third party that was witnessing this they would probably say that is what is going on here? right like we don't understand i have often wondered if there is not some sort of spiritual significance if there is not a demon interpreting or spirit interpreting back and forth to create confusion for what purpose just harassment oh or whatever it is, you know, because, you know, we all have our own lives. Right, so, right. You know, you can't you can't put struggles in a box, label it and make it pretty. OK, so 
um, to create division, specifically when it comes to family units. If there is that would make not, sense. it would make sense, right? And that also makes me think because there's been times where I will say I will tell a story, and the person I'm telling the story that never happened. I'm like, right? It makes me right. feel crazy it because does. I'm like, well, d- but I know it happened. I know right. that happened. So maybe that's kind of the same thing. Exactly. I joke way too often about the snakes in my head when those things happen. <laughs> so maybe it's the snakes in my head. But honestly, I, I, and I wonder about that because, you know, I have found, you know, my husband and I have been married an awful long time. I'm going to use him as an example because he's my longest relationship, sure. right? So we have been, you know, together an awful long time. And the one thing that I'll tell you that we still suck on is, is communication. And I can, I can hit record like on a, you know, on a, a phone mm-hmm. and record a conversation between the two of us and it is unrecognizable really yeah and i don't know you know i've often thought well what makes it unrecognizable is the fact that i don't have those immediate thoughts you know that it's not recording my thoughts as right. well you know um or his you know so it's not necessarily in context or is it because there is something else that is creating division you know have you ever had a have you ever had a situation where you've had the same argument with your husband or your your mom or whatever like every six months it's like the same argument Mm -hmm. almost verbatim every six months wonder why that happens and it's really annoying right it really creates i just blame my husband i'm like you're just not listening right exactly But maybe he's not hearing it the way i'm saying it or maybe there's something interpreting in, in the middle. I mean, it happens often enough, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so much, you know, there's so, we're, we're living in a time in a society where disagreement immediately equals disrespect. Right. And we're watching relationships fall apart right and left. You know, it's getting into political season. We're about to encounter that again, right? Mm-hmm. You wonder what those things are that are interpreting these conversations back and forth. It can't just be our ineffectiveness to communicate all the time. I mean, I feel like I'm a fairly good communicator. Mm-hmm. My husband can be a fairly, you know, good communicator on occasion, you know. <laughs> I mean, he's not a troglodyte all right. the time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but but you just wonder if there is not a spiritual entity. And that's that probably is a fairly good representation of my upbringing that right. that would be my immediate thought of, huh, you know. So maybe that's why Jesus commands that we maybe yeah absolutely and I think those are all really good points now what do you think about because some of the the research that I read there was a study actually done in 2017 I can't remember the name of it now but I it was a pretty recent study where exorcisms are more prevalent in people who have a strong religious background versus people who aren't so why do you think that people who have this strong religious background, whatever the religion is, have more exorcisms than those who don't like atheists, agnostics. Recognition. You think that's what it is? I think a lot of it is what it is. You don't know what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody who lives in a third world country that doesn't have access to medical system may not recognize diabetes. Right. Whereas if I was experiencing symptoms of diabetes, I'd go to a doctor, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, so yeah, I, I think that a lot of it has to do with recognition and then there is something in the spiritual world to be said for the spirit of discernment, you know, right? where um, where you are, I, I know we had talked about this, you had teased me a couple of weeks ago about, you know, you're just an unrealized medium. Yes. And I don't, I wouldn't say that at all. I would say spiritual sensitivities, you know, spiritual discernment is strong in this one, but yeah. not, um, but you know, I mean, call it, you know, call right. whatever we want to call it. Right. 
um, I think that recognition is definitely the key there. Yeah. You know. These are all really good points. I appreciate you coming on today. This was really this is, fun. Was We're probably going to get off of the recording and keep talking. <laughs> Tis what we do. But it was really, really great to have you. I appreciate you coming on. Hopefully Absolutely. you'll come back with your knowledge. Bring Dan with you. We can talk about dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for tuning in this week. Um, again, we'll have another episode next week because it's spooky season in spooky October. Season. Feel free to shoot us an email, leave comments about what you think about exorcisms and, and how they work and why they work. Uh, I will talk to you guys next week. Have a good one.